Proverbs chapter 7. My son, keep my words and store up my commands within you. Keep my commands and you will live. Guard my teachings as the apple of your eye. Bind them on your fingers. Write them on the tablet of your heart. And say to wisdom, you are my sister. And to insight, you are my relative. They will keep you from the adulterous women, from the wayward woman with her seductive words. At the window of my house, I looked down through the lattice. I saw among the simple. I noticed among the young men a youth who had no sense. He was going down the street near her corner, walking along in the direction of her house at twilight as the day was fading and as the dark of the night set in. Then out came a woman to meet him, dressed like a prostitute and with crafty intent. She is unruly and defiant. Her feet never stay at home. Now in the street, now in the squares, at every corner she lurks. She took hold of him and kissed him. And with a brazen face, she said, Today I vowed my, I fulfilled my vows and I have food from my fellowship offering at home. So I came out to meet you. I looked for you and have found you. I have covered my bed with colored linens from Egypt. I have perfumed my bed with myrrh, with aloes and cinnamon. Come, let's drink deeply of love till morning. Let's enjoy ourselves with love. My husband's not at home. He has gone on a long journey. He took his purse filled with money and will not be home till full moon. So with persuasive words, she led him astray. She seduced him with her smooth talk, and all at once he followed her, like an ox going to the slaughter, like a deer stepping into a noose till an arrow pierces his liver like a bird darting into a snare, little knowing it will cost him his life. So now then, my sons, listen to me and pay attention to what I say. Do not let your heart turn to her ways or stray to her paths. Many are the victims she has brought down. Her slain are a mighty throng. Her house is a highway to the grave, leading down to the chambers of death. Well, good day, folks. Uh, again, if you missed it, my name is Scott. Um, I've really enjoyed being with you guys for the last few weeks. Uh, and today we come to the topic that really needs no introduction. That a, lo- a lot of, when you write a talk, you, you kind of want to grab people's attention early on. I figure a talk about sex, you don't need to say much up front to grab people's attention, do you? It, it, it's just something we think about. Uh, I used to drive past a billboard uh, when I was living in Sydney, <coughs> pardon me, uh, quite a large billboard, and there's one particular ad I want to tell you about. It, the, the ads used to change pretty frequently, but this one ad, uh, it was selling toolboxes. Just down in the bottom corner was a picture of the toolbox you could get. The rest of the billboard was taken up with a picture of a woman with quite a low-cut top on. The idea is sex sells. Marketers know this. 
And in fact, sex is all around us. It's in our movies, it's in our TV shows, it's in the magazines we read, the books we read, it's in the music videos that go through MTV again and again. Sex is everywhere. We live in a world where sex is everywhere. But despite that, there are signs that, as a society, we don't quite uh, get sex. We're confused about sex. Let me give you a couple of examples. There's a lot of talk these days about exploration, particularly for young people. Uh, It's the idea that that none of us are really sure what's good for us. And and, and so the thing you need to do is to try out a few things, to be a bit different, to explore your options. It just goes to show, doesn't it? We're confused about sex. You see it in the uh, portrayal of casual sex as well, on TV shows or movies or whatever. They portray this idea that casual sex is so normal, it's something that, that, that everyone does. But at the same time, they want to uphold a value that, that sex is, is important. It's, it's not supposed to be cheap and easy, but it's actually deeply intimate. And so you can see again, there's a double standard going on. Sex can, can't be important and yet casual at the same time. And this all comes about because as a society, I think we're confused about sex. But there is one thing we're not confused about, and that is this. What happens in the bedroom is private, so stay out. You're not allowed to tell me what to do, and especially in there. But you know, the Bible just won't do that. Most of us have this perception that the Bible is is quite prim and proper, Kind of like your grandma, you don't expect anything even remotely suggestive to ever come from her. But that's not what the Bible's like at all. The Bible has a lot to say about sex. And why not? After all, God is the one who made sex. It's his invention and he wants us to enjoy it. So God's not going to stay out of the bedroom. The Bible's not going to stay out of the bedroom. Which might make some of us feel a little bit uncomfortable today. But that's actually a good thing. We might be in a society that's confused about sex, but the Bible isn't. God says sex is important. So important that he actually wants us to get right, get it right. And that's really what I'm going to talk about today. We're in our third and final week in Proverbs. And Proverbs is all just talking about what's, what's the wise life? How do you live out the wise life in this world? And so it's got a lot to say about sex. Um, you have an outline. If you've got a leaflet at all, you have an outline in there. Uh, but before we get into that, I just want to make a quick note. Um, uh, throughout Proverbs, uh, you'll notice that the one, particularly when it comes to sex, the one being tempted to do the wrong thing is always a bloke, and the one doing the tempting is always a woman. Uh, you, you would have noticed that from chapter 7. The one being warned was a son, the one who was lured was a young man, and the one who did the seducing was a woman. But this isn't because Proverbs thinks that women are evil seducers and men are innocent victims. Far from it. It's just that the book is written to a son. It's it's written with uh, a a young bloke in mind. And currently, it's like he's walking down the wise path through life. And Proverbs wants to warn him about the dangers and to show him the goodness of of a wise and God-fearing sex life. 
So women, uh, I hope you don't hear these proverbs and go home thinking that you're the problem, because that's not what, what Proverbs is saying. And men, I, don't hope, I, hope you don't think, I, don't, I hope you don't hear these proverbs and go home thinking that the problem is with the women. No, no, the problem may well be with you. The wisdom here is actually for both of us, for men and for women. We all face temptation to deviate from God's wisdom on sex. And so we're all called to sit under God's wisdom on sex as well. So we're going to start today then by hearing the warnings from Proverbs. Uh, and basically, you can, you can summarize, summarize it like this. Wisdom tells us to stay away from the adulterous woman. Again, women don't hear that as... Uh, women, you should hear that as saying the adulterous man. So Proverbs 2.16, uh, wisdom will save you also from the adulterous woman, from the wayward woman with her seducive words. Literally, the word there for adulterous woman is, is strange woman. Or for, for the wayward woman, it's the foreign woman. And it's easy to see why, isn't it? It's not that she's from another country. It's, it's that she's not your partner, not your spouse. She's not the one that you share a bed with. In a very real sense, she's, she's strange. She's out of place. A foreigner to your bedroom. So throughout the talk today, I'm going to keep referring back to the strange woman and what she represents, it's, it's, which is just sexual temptation. In Proverbs, this strange woman takes two particular forms. She's firstly the prostitute, and secondly, she's the affair. But, but here's the real key that Proverbs keeps warning us again and again and again. It, it's, not that just, it's not just that God doesn't want you to do that. But it's also that whenever you go to the strange woman, she brings you harm. Sexual temptation brings you harm. That's what Proverbs wants to keep telling us. So, for example, the prostitute brings economic harm. And this is Proverbs 29, verse 3. A man who loves wisdom brings joy to his father, but a companion of prostitutes squanders his wealth quite simple uh, you, you see the prostitute you lose your money but the affair it also brings uh, physical and emotional harm as proverbs six twenty-five: do not lust in your heart after her beauty or let her captivate you with her eyes for a prostitute can be had for a loaf of bread that's what we saw she brings economic harm the prostitute can be had for a loaf of bread but another man's wife preys on your very life uh, in 2002, the Ashley Madison website was launched. It's a dating site for people who are married, to have an affair. Its tagline, I don't know if you can read it there, but it says, life is short, have an affair. Proverbs would retort, have an affair, make life short. Because even though this was written in ancient times, and even though much has changed since Proverbs was written, a spurned partner is still a spurned partner, and no one takes that well. Maybe someone won't come at you with clenched fists. Maybe. But don't expect life to go on as usual if you have an affair. There are consequences to it. And those consequences are draining on life. They are life-sapping, not life-giving. The strange woman takes two forms in Proverbs. She's the prostitute and she's the affair. 
Now, as I've said these things, I reckon most of us are nodding along going, yeah, 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 yeah. A trip to the brothel, very unwise. Yes, yes, yes. An affair, yes, yes, yes. Can only bring about trouble. Yes. So are we immune then to this strange woman, to sexual temptation? Not by a long shot. Consider pornography. Another form of the strange woman. Uh, Porn is so easy to access in this age of the internet. I read a study about porn and 13 to 16 year olds recently. Uh, 93% of boys in this age have seen porn. 62% of girls. It's inescapable. I'm sure the numbers only go up if you look at 20 year olds, 30 year olds. Does anyone remember, remember Pokemon Go? On the phones? It was a craze a few years back? Yeah? No? A few? Um, about four years ago, it was a big craze. And what you did, you downloaded the game onto your phone, and then you held it up, and through your screen, you could just see Pokemon that you couldn't, obviously, you couldn't see in real life. But on the screen, they were there, and you had to try and catch them. And it was a huge hit. So much so that for a few weeks, the number one thing on the internet was Pokemon Go. But you know, do you know what it beat to get to number one? Pornography. And when the Pokemon Go craze died down, do you know what became number one again? It was pornography. In fact, just in 2018, one porn site had 33.5 billion visits. This just shows you porn is so prevalent. It's not just a guy thing. Both men and women consume it. Here is a strange woman in our society. And sex, uh, sorry, and, 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 and porn is dangerous. No matter what form she takes, the, the, the strange woman will always bring harm, and porn is no different. Recently I read a news article from the ABC website. Right, This is not uh, Christian people talking about porn, this is very much secular people talking about porn. I want to tell you a few things, three things from this, this, this article. Firstly, a guy was interviewed in it, and he recalled how porn had rewired his brain. It had taught him to think of sex not as a, a two-person thing, but now, for him, his brain was such that in sex he only ever thought about himself. His brain had been rewired, and it had begun to destroy any relationship that he formed. Secondly, the article also interviewed a woman named Susan McLean. She's a cyber safety expert. She travels around to schools and talks with uh, kids in their schools. And she said she's seeing an alarming trend. More and more high school girls are being asked to reenact pornography scenes with their boyfriends. And in the process, it's leading to many of them being injured. That's not just a high school thing either. So then another woman was interviewed... And she explained how the same thing happened to her as an adult. Porn is harmful, friends. It's a modern-day strange woman. So many enlightened people today tell us it's harmless, but they're wrong. It is. It's harmful. Beware of the strange woman. And we could just move on here at this point. But I think there's another strange woman that is... Um, another sexual temptation that's it's just so common today. And that is lust. There'll be some of us here who are of uh, a more mature vintage. And for you, I'm, for internet pornography 
is probably not a big issue because the internet probably isn't a big thing for you. Technology and you don't mix. And uh, that, that, my dad's in this category, right? So uh, I love him, but we had a computer in our house for about a decade before he learned where the on button was. And when he figured out how, when the on button was on, he still didn't know how to do anything else with it. So I don't say this just to poke fun, though. It's just that this strange woman of porn, it's probably not the problem for you. Which means I suspect that lust is probably a bigger one. Lust can be an issue for us no matter what our age and no matter what our gender. It might be the mental wandering, the, the undressing of a woman in your mind. Uh, maybe it's the hot and heavy books that you read to get a kick. Lust is, a, is, I think, the most common strange woman, sexual temptation of all. I once heard an old man tell a story. He, he recalled how he was uh, converted as, as a young fella, uh, became a Christian, and now he, so he's like, okay, I've got to ple- I want to please God with my life. That's what, I'm, what, that's what life's about now. But one thing persistently tripped him up in his life, and that was lust. So he began a lifelong battle then. He'd pray and he'd try and keep his mind pure and he'd have some periods of success and then he'd stumble and get downhearted and then kind of lift himself up by his bootlaces and go at, go at it again. And Then when he was on his deathbed in hospital, he said this. Uh, I'll slightly paraphrase, but he said, I thought after all these years, the devil would just pass me by. He'd give up on me. He'd give, a man, give, a, give, give an old man a bit of peace before I die. But it feels like he's reserved the strongest temptation for my final hours. The aging of the body doesn't take lust away. She remains a strange woman. And like the rest, lust brings harm as well. It stops you from thinking of people as people. Instead, they become objects, objects for you to consume, even if only mentally. And it brings about dissatisfaction. Because while you you daydream about how enthralling someone else might be, what's happening with your heart is is getting dragged away from desiring your spouse. Or your heart starts to grow more and more impatient with your singleness. And you grow more and more dissatisfied with God and the state of life he's put you in. Make no mistake, friends. The strange woman still exists. It doesn't matter what form she, she takes, whether it be uh, a prostitute, an affair, porn, lust, or something else. She might promise the world, but she brings harm. I hope you see, at each point, the strange woman brings harm. She's dangerous. So if you want to live a wise life in God's world, avoid her, avoid the strange woman. But Proverbs doesn't simply warn us about the strange woman. It doesn't simply say, stay away, stay away. Wisdom also teaches us the alternatives, the good things about living a wise life in God's world. There are three things I want to look at here. First one is marriage. This is kind of the most obvious of all. 
Proverbs has heaps to say about the goodness of marriage. Uh, 18, chapter 18, verse 22. He who finds a wife finds what is good and receives favor from the Lord. A spouse is not just good. It's a, it's, it's a good gift from God. Uh, marriage is a good thing. And so it's good to enjoy your spouse. I'm about to read a bit of chapter 5. Um, it's using imagery of, of uh, water and fountains and wells. And uh, it, it shows the beauty of of sex within marriage. Check it out, verse 15, it's on the screen there. Drink water from your own cistern, running water from your own well. Should your springs overflow in the streets, your streams of water in the public squares? Let them be yours alone, never to be shared with strangers. May your fountain be blessed, may you rejoice in the wife of your youth. A loving doe, a graceful deer, may her breast satisfy you always. May you ever be intoxicated with her love. In the late 70s, Playboy, yes, that that Playboy magazine, Playboy did a study. They wanted to explore the attitudes of men, uh, particularly men aged 18 to 49. I assume they thought this is our target demographic. You know what they found? Which men had the most satisfying sex lives? It's married men. Married men. Doesn't this just fly in the face of all the stereotypes we hear? Our movies and TV shows, they keep saying that that marriage is the way to kill off your sex life. And then if you really want to kill off any remnants of it, then also have kids. That'll do it. But it's just not right. Even, Even the Playboy magazine couldn't deny that marriage is the best place for sex. Marriage is the first wise alternative to the strange woman. Enjoy your spouse. And the second is singleness. A number of Proverbs tell us this. Let me show you two examples. They're on the screen there. Proverbs 21 verse 9. Better to live on the corner of a roof than share a house with a quarrelsome wife. 21 verse 19. Better to live in the desert than with a quarrelsome, wife and na- a quarrelsome and nagging wife. I suspect you're laughing is because you know it's true. Uh, Partly these warn against making a bad choice in marriage. But in part they also show, don't they, the wisdom of singleness. Being alone is better than being with a badly chosen spouse. In this instance, singleness is the choice of wisdom. And if you're here today as a single person, I do want you to hear this. Most of the single people I know don't want to be single. And that may be how how you're feeling today too. But I I, I do want you just to hear this though. Even if it's hard to hear. But your singleness is better than being with the wrong spouse. Choose your marriage partner well. But while we're on this topic of singleness, there are a couple other comments I just want to make. One is that often in our churches we elevate marriage. Uh, So singleness and marriage are are both goods. In the Bible, if you read, singleness and marriage are both good things. But we've tended to talk up marriage and we downplay singleness. Or at least we don't give near as much airtime to singleness as we do to marriage. And so it can seem like being single is like a a second-rate choice. And part of that is that consequently our churches can feel like 
Um, they're clubs for happily, happy families, which means a single person can very easily feel like they're on the outer, feel like they just don't fit in. I don't have time this morning to say everything about this, but here's just, look, one simple thing. Uh, one way I think, I think we could be better balanced in this is that we've got to include the single people in, in the social things that we do. I once spoke to a friend uh, who had just gotten married, and he said to me that he and his wife recently had loved having other married couples over for dinner. In fact, they thought that this was the way they were going to do hospitality from now on, just invite married couples over. He was, it was, he said, it was, it was just easier that way. Now, if we're going to care for the single folks amongst us, it's got to start with spending time together, opening our homes, sharing our lives, being honest about marriage. It's ups and it's downs. We might never have thought exactly what, we might never have said exactly what my friend said or thought exactly what he thought, but, but in practice it can be all too easy just to end up doing that anyway. There's going to be difference in what it means uh, for how we interact with someone who's 20 and single to the person who's 30 or 40 and single. But we need to make sure we don't give off the, the, the impression that we think singleness is a second-rate situation. We've got to care for the single people in our churches. That starts with including them. <laughs> We're talking about the alternative, alternatives to the strange woman. Uh, that uh, if we're to avoid her in all her forms, where does wisdom point us? It points us in the marriage of, in, in, in the way of, of marriage and enjoying sex in marriage, and it points us to singleness and to staying away from the wrong marriage partner. But there's, but there's something else, something that's, that's bigger and actually more important than both of these, something that supersedes them, that whether you are single or married, this, this is really where it's at for you. The most wise alternate to the strange woman is Jesus himself. Because Jesus is the true spouse. Jesus is the true husband. I'm about to read from another part in the Bible. This is from Ephesians, Ephesians chapter 5. Ephesians was a letter that was sent to a church in Ephesus. It's in the ancient, uh, it was an ancient Greek city uh, in modern-day Turkey now. Uh, if you look up on the screen there, there's going to be another slide. That, that's kind of what it looks like today. There's the, the, the relics of it. And we pick up this letter. Uh, it's, it's about a husband's role in marriage, but you'll notice partway through, it doesn't actually, it's actually it begins talking about Jesus. Uh, here it is, Ephesians chapter 5. In this same way, husbands ought to love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. After all, no one hated their own body. But they feed and care for their body just as Christ does the church. For we are members of his body. For this reason, a man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife, and the two will become one flesh. This is a profound mystery. But I'm talking about Christ and the church. Why is the strange woman so appealing? What's so appealing about sexual temptation? Why is it that we have affairs or watch porn or spend time in lustful fantasies? Because we're, we're looking for something. We want the company or that sense of feeling alive, being complete, being satisfied. But the strange woman in all her forms 
ends up being so unfulfilling. Because none of these things, none of her forms can bring about satisfaction in a lasting way. That is what Jesus does. He brings satisfaction in a lasting way. Did you catch that last bit from Ephesians? That marriage is really about Jesus and the church. That he is the true spouse, the true husband. That marriage is not the ultimate thing, and nor is sex in marriage. But marriage and intimacy, it's like they point to something bigger, a better reality. It's the way that Jesus fulfills and satisfies his church. Something we experience in in part now, yes, and the fullness of which we'll experience in heaven. So whether you're single or married now, that's not really the main game. Real intimacy is found in Jesus. Sex is good, but it's just like a warm-up act at a rock concert. It's there to give you a taste. It's there to get you ready for, for something better, something that's better to, that's going to come soon that's better. So don't miss out on what sex really points you towards. Don't miss out on the offer that Jesus holds out to give you real life, satisfying life, fulfilling life, eternal life. There we are, three alternates to the strange woman. So where to from here? In light of this, there's... There's at least three big things I want to say. Here's the three I want to say. Heed, help, and have. Three H's. Heed, help, have. Uh, Firstly, heed. Heed the warnings. Friends, stay away from the strange woman. It's not that the Bible's trying to stop us having fun here. I, I hope I've shown you all the way along that when the Bible says that the strange woman is harmful, she really is harmful. Sexual temptation is not good. Sex, sex is at its best in marriage. Outside of marriage, it brings hurt and pain. It's life-sapping, not life-giving. So will you heed the wisdom? Flee, friends. Flee. Don't flirt with, but flee from sexual temptation. Heed the warnings. Uh, and help. Help the next generation. Teach your kids about God's view on sex. Now, particularly, I'm talking to you, if you're here today, you're someone who follows Jesus, and you've got kids, uh, I'm saying to you, if you don't teach your kids, where are they going to learn about sex? Where are they going to pick up their values from? It's going to be school, yes. But they're not going to pick it up from the sex ed classes at school. They'll pick it up from their friends at school. Or they'll learn it from pornography. Not necessarily because they want to go looking for porn, most, teenage, most teenagers who see porn for the first time aren't actually looking to see it. Someone else shows it to them. It pops up on a website, everything that has nothing to do with porn. It's not intentional, but it happens. That's where they pick up their values from. The writer of Proverbs, he had a son, and he didn't leave it up to chance. He taught his son how to live wisely in God's world. He taught his son to avoid the strange woman. Parents, will you do the same? Youth group leaders, uh, will you do the same? I mean, you might need to talk with the parents of the kids in your group, but you need to figure out how to do this, but, but you guys need to, to be on it as well. Our teens, and even increasingly now our preteens, 
we need to teach them what God says about sex. And we also need to teach them why it's good for them to listen to God. Why it's wise for them to have God's view of sex in this world. One of our problems often is that we just don't know where to start, right? Uh, so let me recommend this book. It should be on the screen. Uh, it's called Teen Sex by the Book. It's written by a, a delightfully odd and, and, and good, great woman. Uh, her name is Patricia Wirakun. She's a Christian woman, loves Jesus, and she spent all her life being a sexologist, whoever even knew such a thing existed. Uh, but I've read it cover to cover. I'm, I'm really happy to recommend this book. Um, teen sex by the book she's written a number of other books as well uh for people of different age groups um so if you've got kids that are a bit older a bit younger than that then uh you can search for that book on google and you'll find her other books as well but if you do need help getting started on teaching your kids look her her, her books are a great place to start heed the wisdom help the next generation and thirdly have have forgiveness have forgiveness Some of us here today will be followers of Jesus and some of us won't be. And yet the same thing will be true for all of us. He's talking about sex and God will bring up all sorts of feelings of guilt. um, Things in the past that you're ashamed of. uh, Battles that you feel like you're constantly losing. In one form or another, for many of us, it will feel like this strange woman just has a hold on us that we we can't seem to, to shake. It can make you feel dirty, ashamed, guilty. Jesus wants you to know, if you're ready to trust him, he's ready to forgive you. He knows the secrets in your heart. He knows what's going on. It's not going to be a surprise to him. If you're ready to follow him, he's ready to forgive you. I hope you hear that as a comforting word today. Let me tell you a story. Jesus uh, once met a woman who was broken by her sexual past. She, in her lifetime, she'd had five husbands, uh, divorced from them all. By the time she met Jesus, she was shacked up with someone else who who wasn't her husband, uh, broken by her sexual history. Jesus invited her to have what he called living water. All the satisfaction she'd looked for in her sexual exploits, Jesus said, no, no, come and have that with me. I'm the thing that can satisfy you. He invited her to come and have forgiveness in his name and eternal life. Today, Jesus makes that same offer to you. Whether you're here today and you've been a follower of Jesus, but you're still feeling guilty, friends, Pray, pray and ask God to forgive you in Jesus' name and be assured that Jesus will. Friends, if you're here today and you're not a follower of Jesus and you feel guilty about your sexual past, I want to say, are you ready to trust Jesus? To trust the forgiveness that he brings? Jesus makes that offer to you today that he made to that woman all those years ago, an offer of forgiveness. To let him take away your guilt and shame. Won't you take him up on that offer? Let's pray. Our great God in heaven, we have covered today some ground that will 
be tough for many of us. And we're so thankful, though, that your word deals with these realities in our life. And we're thankful that you give us wisdom in them, wisdom that recognizes truth from lies, wisdom that will give us, show us the right way to walk as we follow you, wisdom that will keep us from harm and danger. Help us heed what you have to say, Father. Especially when we hear so many conflicting messages in our world, help us heed what you have to say. For those of us who are married, help us enjoy our spouse. For those of us who are single, help us enjoy the goodness that that is, even though it might be difficult. But Father, whether we're married or single, help us have eyes for Jesus, who really satisfies. Help us bring up our kids to know the wise ways of sex. And help us, Father, we pray, to come to you whenever we feel guilty, knowing that there is true forgiveness in Jesus Christ. We pray in his name now. Amen.